Welcome and thank you for accepting the invitation to join this Bible study and reflection today on January 27th, 2021. It is my hope and prayer that everyone is staying safe during these unsettling times and extending grace where it is needed. I also hope we all experience the joy of learning, loving, living God's Word. Let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace be with you. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father and most gracious God, we thank you for the freedom we have here to worship you and the many opportunities we have to abide in your word. Lord, at times we don't take advantage of those opportunities and the freedom we have to worship you, and for that we ask your forgiveness. Through your Holy Spirit, we ask that you would give growth through your word to our relationship with your Son, Jesus Christ. It is in his name we lift up this prayer. Amen. I'm going to try and take us on a journey today through the book of 1 Samuel and reflect on this story as it relates to a journey that I took. The book of 1 Samuel is a book, is a book about relationships. Samuel was a transitional leader between the time of the judges and the reigns of the kings. He appointed Israel's first king, Saul. After Saul's failure to obey God, Saul tried violently to prevent God's king-elect, David, from taking the throne. The main characters in the story are God, Samuel, Saul, Saul's son Jonathan, and David. If we do a flyover of 1 Samuel from about 30,000 feet, we see that Samuel is born, Samuel's called by God, While the Israelites are fighting the Philistines, the Ark of the Covenant's captured. The Ark's returned to Israel. Samuel continues fighting with the Philistines. The Israelites cry out for a king, and Saul is anointed by Samuel. During one of the battles, Saul does not completely follow God's instructions, and things start going south for Saul. Saul's son Jonathan begins to flex his muscle because of his poor choices. Saul is rebuked by God. David is anointed and becomes heir apparent to the throne of Saul. David's reign as king does not begin immediately, and he actually begins working for Saul. In the beginning, Saul likes David, but it doesn't take long for that relationship to deteriorate. I know we all remember the story of David and Goliath, and while that was a feather in David's cap, it became a bigger thorn in his side. This is where the relationship starts to turn. This reading from 1 Samuel 18, 5-11 explains why. Here's the reading. Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all of the troops, and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet the king Saul 
with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands? What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on, on Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre, as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. End of the reading. I don't know about you, but if I was David, I'd be thinking this guy doesn't like me very much. This is about the time Saul's son Jonathan recognized the evil that was dwelling in his dad, and he gave his allegiance to David. The rest of the book of 1 Samuel was, is a saga of the Israelites fighting the Philistines under Saul's rule and Saul pursuing David when he wasn't fighting the Philistines. Here is a reading from 1 Samuel chapter 24, verses 1 through 7. This is where one of the instances where David spares Saul's life. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of Engedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and sent out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men say, this is the day of the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscience stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master. The Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went on his way. Now there are other accounts in 1 Samuel where David had ample opportunity to kill Saul, but he spared his life. The reason I selected this scripture for today's study is because I have visited in Gedi as part of our trip to the Holy Land in 2018. On Wednesday, November 7th, 2018, our group hiked to what is known as David's Waterfall. En Gedi is the largest oasis along the western shore of the Dead Sea. The springs there have allowed nearly continuous inhabitation of the site since approximately 3500 B.C., the area was allotted to the tribe of Judah and was famous in the time of Solomon. Even though there are many springs around the Dead Sea, most of them have a high salt content. Engedi is one of the only two freshwater springs 
located on the western shore of the Dead Sea. I have shared with you in one of my recent podcasts my experience and reflection of visiting Petra in the country of Jordan. I have many other memories of the historical and traditional sites we visited throughout the Holy Land. I remember when I returned from our two-week trip to the Holy Land, many of my family and friends asked me, tell me all about your trip and what I had seen and experienced. I told them there was no way I could tell them all about it because it was so much to take in and process. On the trip, I remember we had a meeting with a Palestinian gentleman while we were there. His name is Elias Shakur. He wrote a book entitled Blood Brothers. The book was a story of his life, but specifically the need for better relations between Palestinians and Israelis. He asked our group several questions, one of which was, why are you here and why did you make this trip from the United States to the Holy Land? We met Elias on the second day of our trip and we visited in Getty on the eighth day. Now you might say this isn't so much of an answer to his question, but I did notice as every day went by and we visited more and more holy sites, the stories in the Bible became more than just words. I could actually take those words and overlay them onto what I had seen and experienced. It really did help put the story of Saul and David into a whole new perspective. When Saul was king, his palace was in Gibeah, which is north of Jerusalem. You read that in the Bible, you don't have anything to reference it to. You just kind of skim over it. But if you look at it on a map, You see Gibeah, then to the south, you see Jerusalem, even more south, Bethlehem, and then further southeast in Gedi. Now let me digress just a moment and look back at our trip to David's waterfall. It began on a fairly level path, and very soon it became steeper and steeper. We even had some handrails to hold on to at some points, and the rocks we were walking on were very unstable. Our climb to David's waterfall took about an hour and a half total. And speaking for myself, it was physically exhausting. In verse 2 of our reading, there was mention of the crags of the wild goats. Crags would be defined as overhanging rocks, and the wild goats were ibex. We saw both that day. It was very humbling to realize that I was walking on some of the same paths that David would have walked on, but I was only a tourist on a leisurely pilgrimage through the Holy Land. When David left Gibeah to go hide out at En Gedi, if he had traveled in a straight line through the towns I just mentioned earlier, his trip would have been around 30 miles. While doing research to prepare for this Bible study today, I referred to a Bible atlas that showed all of the routes David took while being pursued by Paul. This particular route would have been more than 70 miles. During our hike that morning, I don't remember if I complained out loud, but I'm sure I was grumbling to myself how difficult the terrain was. I knew at the end of the day I would have a comfortable bed to sleep in, and the next morning I would have a tour bus with Wi-Fi and air conditioning to ride in while heading to our next destination. 
This experience gave me another set of lenses with which to read this particular story in the Bible. One of the taglines for Bible Project is, the Bible is one unified story that leads to Christ. Even though the story today comes from the Old Testament, it's easy to connect the story of David to the story of Jesus. Just like David, Jesus had enemies as well that he eluded until it was time for him to obey his father's will. David's pursuer was Saul, and Jesus was pursued by angry crowds, Pharisees, Sadducees, as well as the Roman rulers. I will remember my trip to the Holy Land as a trip of a lifetime, and it was truly a pleasure to be able to experience it with Pastor Metz and his wife, Christina. I remember telling them at supper one night that I would never read the Bible again, and they looked at me like I'd lost my mind. I told them instead of reading the Bible, I was going to study the Bible, and I have tried to do just that since then. As a result of that approach, I feel my relationship with Jesus has grown stronger and given new richness to my faith journey. While everyone may not be able to make a trip to the Holy Land, there are a wealth of resources available that will enrich your Bible study experience. There are online Bible concordances, Bible atlases, Bible dictionaries, and of course the resources provided by BibleProject.com. Now let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you for Bible scholars and researchers that help us to interpret your word and to put your word in perspective. Help us, O Lord, as we abide in your word to lean on commentaries and studies that bring more cultural and historical context to the stories in your Holy Bible. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face to you and give you peace. Go in peace. Serve the Lord.